Thanks for checking out a sermon from First United Methodist Church located in Sheridan, Wyoming. To learn more about who we are, please check out our webpage at fumcsheridanwy.org. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the first chapter of Mark. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Just then, there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. They were all amazed, and they kept on asking one another, What is this, a new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. God. Would you pray with me? God, I ask the meditation of my heart and the words of my mouth be pleasing and glorifying to you. Amen. Uh, This morning we find ourselves picking up where we left off last week in Mark. Uh, Can you believe it? We are still in chapter one. We haven't even made it out of chapter one of Mark yet. Uh, So far, Mark has shared with us about John the baptizer, shared with us about Jesus's baptism, his temptation in the wilderness, and the calling of his first disciples, which leads us into this story this morning of Jesus being in the synagogue. Mark is trying to help us understand in this moment even more about who this Jesus is. There is something different about him. Jesus has spoken very little so far in this gospel, uh, yet a lot has happened. This chapter in Mark places emphasis on the power of Jesus' words. Jesus has made the statement that now is the time for the kingdom of God. We are now shown by what authority this kingdom will be led by. Now, when we think of the word authority, or when I say the word authority, did that send shivers down anybody's spine? I think our culture has a very interesting relationship with this word. Uh, And so for me, I think it's important that we define it this morning. You saw that's where I was going, didn't you? So how do you define the word authority? Power? Judge? Leader? Boss? Mother? (laughs) In control? 
you were going to look up the word authority in the Concise Oxford English Dictionary, this is what you would find. This is the uh, first definition of three. I'm only going to share one with you. The power or right to give orders and enforce obedience. Yeah, <laughs> I heard that at the end. Mm, yeah, that's... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In the Greek, it's... It's a little challenging to even define in the Greek because there are seven different definitions to the word that is used here or translated authority. So I'm going to share with you the definition. Uh, so in, in each, when, the, when a word gets translated, they will put the reference underneath the definition. So I am sharing with you the definition to our reference here in Mark this morning, if that makes sense. All right. So the Greek understanding of this word authority, potential or resource to command, control, or govern. Capability could also be translated capability, might, or power. Now, what I find intriguing about the Greek definition is the word or this idea of potential. Now, for, for me, uh, it's really easy to make one more step in that word potential. Uh, and I think of the two different types of energy. Potential energy or kinetic energy. Yeah, man, you got it. Nicely done. And so why not, as we talk about potential, it is the season of the year. Now, of course, this football is green. Moment of silence. But it is that time of year where we start to hope that the sermon is short so we can make it home for the game. So when I think of potential energy and, and I thought of uh, football, I asked Judah if I could borrow his football this morning and he hesitantly said yes. I think of pot uh, potential kinetic energy. This football has potential energy when, when I stand out and I bring my arm back and the football is ready to go. No one? Yeah. Oh, you, you, you trust me a little too much, I think. <laughs> you got kids, it doesn't matter. Potential energy, it's, it's ready, it's ready. It wants to go, it wants to fly, it wants to be caught, and it stays potential unless I throw it. It cannot turn into kinetic energy unless it is thrown. And I, I love this idea of, of defining Jesus' authority as potential authority. Why? Because Jesus has the authority. Jesus has the power. But doesn't, we don't receive that authority until we're willing to take it for ourselves. And so it's potential. Potential authority. Until we decide to allow God's authority, Jesus's authority, to go beyond potential and to live under it 
and to live in it. Now, Mark wants us to to understand what Jesus' authority looks like. Uh, And so he demonstrates his authority in words. Uh, Those words that he is trying to help us understand go back to uh, verses 14 and 15 in Mark, where Jesus is again talking about uh, the coming of the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven has come near. So instead of simply having Jesus teach another lesson, Mark uses a story. And in this story, he helps us understand Jesus more. What's intriguing here is that this scene takes place in a synagogue. Now, could you... Okay, hold on. I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm getting too excited. It's because I was holding that football, man. The adrenaline just, just like, oh, yeah. What's interesting about this scene is it takes place in a synagogue. Now, Jesus was invited to to preach, as was the custom of a a visiting teacher. Uh, They would invite them to come and lecture during the Sabbath. Uh, And so we we see this taking place during, uh, in, in lack of better wording, a worship service like what we're having right now is the scene that Jesus demonstrates his authority. Now, in the very first part of these verses, we hear that Jesus is teaching and the people are amazed at what he is sharing. We are not told about what he's preaching on, what he's teaching on, or what he's sharing. But what we are told is that Jesus taught them as one having authority, not like the scribes. Now, most teaching was done in Uh, that was done in the synagogue uh, was teaching of ancestral traditions. If you were teaching, you you might say things like, uh, as Moses said, or as Rabbi so-and-so has said. Where here, Jesus is speaking with with an authority all of his own. It must have been something to hear. Because the people that are there take note. Yet this is not the main focal point of what Mark is trying to get at. But it helps us understand a little bit more that something different is happening here. Jesus is doing something different. Mark then transitions to the main purpose of the story. Jesus might teach with authority, but his authority stretches much farther than his teaching. Now, it can be challenging, uh, to say the least, to discuss the healings uh, and the exorcisms of Jesus. There are just so many more questions and not enough answers. So I just want to say that up front. Now, while they are in the synagogue, While Jesus is teaching, something happens Uh, that would have shocked those that were there, and it definitely shocked the hearers and the readers of Mark. A man enters the synagogue 
with an unclean spirit, which is another way that we can say demon possession. Now, could you imagine that scene? While we're sitting here worshiping, someone interrupts the worship service with a unclean spirit or a demon possession. That's what we're talking about here. Part of what this man says here, the, the, the demon possession, the demon inside this man gets more words than Jesus. Did you notice that? And so he, he comes in and he's asking a question have you come to destroy us? Now, that's an intriguing question. Right off at the very beginning of Mark. Now remember, Mark is short, sweet, and to the point. We want to pay attention to the details that Mark gives us. And so here, right at the very beginning, we're noticing the demon is wondering if this is the teacher that is going to destroy evil. And at the same time, knows who Jesus is, or at least is wondering who Jesus is. But before he can elaborate, we hear Jesus' response and tells the demon to be silent and then to get out. And the demon does. When we think about this man that enters the synagogue that day, he must have been struggling those that were around him, and he himself. Struggling with feelings of isolation, of the desire to be with others, but not being able to. And yet he goes into this place, and because Jesus has the authority to cast out the demon, Mark makes it clear for us that it's not about the right words to say or the actions. We don't hear what Jesus does. We hear a few words that Jesus says. We're not told as to whether Jesus lay hands on him or any of those details. He simply says, come out of him, and it does. What Mark is trying to help us understand here or show us is that the present evil age is coming to an end. And this evil is no match for Jesus or the Holy Spirit that will be poured out on the kingdom to bring the kingdom to completion. Mark here is showing us the divine authority of Jesus in this moment. And the people, again, are amazed by it. They still haven't quite made the connection yet. The connection that Jesus is not just the Holy One of God, but that Jesus is the Son of God. Right in the beginning of Mark, this kingdom is being set up to have a different understanding, a different set of values 
Mark is giving us this picture of the one who leads this kingdom and has the authority to lead this kingdom. In the end, though, it's potential authority. Will we choose to accept Christ's authority over our lives and turn that potential command into a living command? We understand our leader to have the authority over the evil of this world. We are given that same authority by the Holy Spirit that is at work in us. But what does it look like for us to live by this authority? In, our, in part of our liturgy, uh, when it comes to baptism... There's a beautiful question that gets answered. This is the question. Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? Now, usually when we ask that question, even as a liturgical question, we are hoping for a yes answer. Yes. It's a lot easier to say yes, though, isn't it? Than to live into it. Jesus shows us what it looks like to live by his authority. In this moment, we recognize that that his authority is bringing healing to those around him. As we continue to read and learn to understand who Jesus is, who Jesus is calling us to be, we recognize that he lives with compassion and gentleness for the most part. And then invites us to live in the same nature, to live by the ways of the kingdom of God. My hope for us is that we take the potential authority of Jesus and we live underneath it. And by that same authority that we will bring about the kingdom of God by living with intention and ministering to a hurting world. Would you pray with me? God, we, we thank you. We thank you for Jesus, for his authority over our lives. Help us to receive that authority. Help us to live by that authority. Help us to use that that authority to bring about healing to those around us, to live with your compassion and gentleness so that we may help usher in your kingdom. God, we love you. And we thank you for loving us first.
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon. We would love for you to join us again for worship in person or online, and we look forward to being with you next time.